Church, have you been provoked by anyone lately? Them just saying or doing something that just gets on your nerves and starts to get your ire rising? Um, maybe you've seen those articles on the news, as I have, uh, of people uh, flying into a rage over seemingly small interactions with people at a grocery store or a restaurant, being provoked to anger and violence even uh, over small things. Perhaps you've been a part of conversations online through social media where it supposedly is this forum to be able to exchange differences of opinions and ideas and dialogue, but instead uh, participants end up provoking one another to anger and to personal attack and criticism. Uh, perhaps just being in our homes with family members for more and more and more time than ever before, perhaps. That quarantine, that <clears throat> isolation, uh, perhaps we've provoked each other more than we ever have before. Provoked each other to frustration, uh, saying those things that get on each other's nerves, doing those things that we know will offend or cause anger to, and resentment to grow up in one another. I want to think about that word provoke. Now think with me about what it means to provoke someone. To provoke someone means you're kind of like poking the bear. You go at a weak spot. You go at a sensitive spot and you poke right there. And the person can't get away and you push and you push. And it generates this frustration and maybe they have a thin skin so it happens quickly. Maybe they're thick skinned and it takes a long time. These days with the extra stress in the world, many of us don't have the patience that we normally would. We don't have the endurance, <laughs> the long suffering that we normally do. And so sometimes being provoked takes just a little thing to escalate into something great. Have we felt that in our marriages? Have we felt that with our children? Have we felt that at the workplace, at the grocery store? Have we felt that in conversations online? There's a real gem hidden in that word provoke, though, that we as Christians should latch on to and recognize the opportunity there. And it's the heart of the scriptures that I'd like to read to us as encouragement, as challenge to us as believers in the world today. Think about what it means to provoke. It means you see a weak spot and you poke at it. It means you know enough about that person to know if I get into a conversation on politics with this person, they're going to have this standpoint and this will frustrate them. And in the course of the conversation, you poke there. You say that. You push there. Within the context of our home, you know there's no escaping at times, and so we're all in confined places and pushing, 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 pushing until there's an explosion of anger. Provoking actually means that we recognize something as a point of weakness in another, and we take advantage of it. We push there. It's a very cruel thing, but it's a very insightful thing. It's observing and finding a point of weakness. It's why healthy debate devolves into personal attacks because we recognize points of weakness and we push. What would it look like if instead of us subconsciously or very consciously recognizing points of weakness and just pushing, pushing, pushing until what we say gets this escalation, this eruption, what would it look like if we focused our minds and recognized the places where the people around us had potential and where the people around us were beautiful and where the people around us uh, had talent and giftings and callings waiting 
to be released? And what if we saw that good thing and we just pushed? What if we saw that good thing and just kept pushing and pushing and saying, I see you. God loves you. Don't stop now. What if we kept pushing until there was an eruption of life, an eruption of good deeds, an eruption of love? This exact phrasing is used in Scripture. It says, let us consider how we can provoke one another to love and good deeds. To love and good deeds. Let us consider, the, the thought there is, uh, this is in Hebrews 22 to 25, which we'll read it all together, but I want you to get the heart of this, and then we can put it all together. The consider is to have your mind fixed on something. Is your mind fixed on the places in the people's lives around you where there is good, where there is untapped potential, where there is capacity, where there is latent gifting, where there's opportunity. And what if we didn't relent? What if we never gave up believing in those people in our lives, in the people around us, be they family members, be they our enemies, our opponents, the people who uh, criticize us? What if we saw what God saw, the potential in each person to be a reflection of God? And what if we recognized those strong points instead of the weak points? And what if we provoked those strong points, those points of untapped, hidden, waiting, latent love and good deeds? What if we see something in someone else that they can't even see in themselves and we just push at it, push at it? push at. The word for that is actually discipleship, I think. <laughs> it's gathering together as followers of Christ and saying, wherever Jesus goes, we want to go. And in you, this is how you reflect him. And in me, this is how I reflect him. And in our children, this is how they reflect them. What if we never give up on our children? And instead of seeing the way too easy weak spots, that's just low-hanging fruit, honestly, to find weak spots in each of us, myself included, and just poke at that until we can't take it anymore. What if we saw the strong spots? The spots that weren't being used, the spots that weren't exploding in love and good deeds. And what if we pushed at that? What if we didn't relent on our children and their potential in the Lord? We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, Philippians 4.13, right? What if we believed that for our spouse? And instead of calling them out for their failings and their weak points and pushing, pushing, pushing on the weak points until things break, what if we saw, who cares if you can only identify one point of strength or two? What if we take those one or two points of strength and push on those, push on those, push on those until they erupt in love and in good deeds? And then say it was good for us not to have let up because we saw something that was worth fostering. We saw something. God gave us eyes to see a way that this person could reflect Christ to the world. And why would we just let it sit latent? This is what I want the church to be considering right now. We've been in this season of you know, introspection, survival mode, if you want to call it, for some for too long. The writer of Hebrews that we're going to read from here, just four verses we're going to read together, doesn't say, just go ahead and live a life of love and good deeds. He doesn't settle for us just saying, how can I be a better person? He recognizes we're meant to be one another. We're meant to be together. We're meant to be for one another. We're supposed to be each other's champions, each other's cheerleaders, each other's mentors, and hand in hand to spur one another on not to let up. 
Some of us are overwhelmed and we're just trying to hang in there. Consider, put your heart and your mind to the task of seeing where those strong parts are in the people around you and provoking them to love and good deeds. Because guess what? Along the way, we will be provoked to love and good deeds. And we won't be settling for this isolationist sort of Christianity. This is never what it's been meant to be. It's meant to be an active uh, community, uh, body, integrated, interdependent, Christ-dependent network of people reflecting the Father. So in this, this letter to the Hebrew people talking about Old Testament faith and New Testament faith and the temple and the Holy Spirit and how Christ links it all together, there's these four verses, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 through 25. And there's three call-outs in that section. And I've been praying this week, Father, what do you want us to be challenged by, encouraged by? These verses just say it so clearly. We all want to live for Christ. We all want to know how. The Bible is our guide. Jesus is our guide. And so I want to share these verses with you as a challenge to you, a challenge to me, that this would be our guide to being who God calls us to be because He sees our strong spots and He's looking to provoke us. And he wants us to take on that mentality and to provoke one another to love and to good deeds. So let me just read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 25. The first challenge, let us draw near to God. First challenge, it all starts there. There's three challenges. Let us do this, let us do this, let us do this. It all starts with just drawing near to the Father. Let us draw near to God. But the thing that usually stops us is our own guilty consciences. This season has been one of great stress. And what do we do when we stress? <laughs> All the things we shouldn't. Our flesh rises. Our faith dwindles. We turn to a counterfeit sources of comfort, addictions, substances, instead of to true sources of comfort sacrificial love from the Father who designed us and from His Son who died for us and from His Spirit who dwells within us. We go to the fake and we never get the real. This is all too often what we do. So the first call out, if you do nothing else, draw near to God. He says it this way, the writer says, let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from guilty conscience or an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you and I have a clear conscience? Do we know that God has forgiven us? Forgiven us for those things that we did. He has, He forgives. That's faith. He's forgiven us. Not responsible to pay for those because Christ paid for it. Our bodies cleansed, sprinkled with clean water, pure water. Have we been baptized in our minds and our bodies? Then we approach God, we just draw near. And it doesn't matter if we've screwed up again or we've sinned again. We just draw near to the Father because our consciences permit us. Don't let the accuser, don't let Satan talk to us and deceive us and say we're not worthy. Christ has made us worthy. 
So the first call out, church, please, for you, for me, let us draw near to God with clean consciences. And if you don't have a clean conscience, if my conscience is not clean, we just stop and we remind ourselves, thank you, God. Please forgive me for all my sins through the blood on the cross. Thank you for having forgiven me for all my sins through Christ. So let us draw near to God. There's the first one. Clean consciences. And then let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hang on to your hope. We believe that God is good, so when things don't seem good, we rely on the fact that God is good. We believe that God provides. We draw near to Him, so when we don't have any way to provide for ourselves, if we don't have food, if we don't have income, we rely on God. So hang on to that hope. Let us hang on to our hope. Draw near to God and hang on to our hope. Hope is not dependent upon our circumstances. Hope is despite our circumstances. It's the confidence in things that are coming. I'm hoping for very practical, tangible things because I'm drawing near to God and I trust Him. And that's my faith. So verse 23, let us hold fast to that confession of our hope. Say it. Tell people, life is crazy, but I trust God. God's going to get us through. We're not going to get ourselves through. Our science is not going to get us through. Our bank accounts are not going to get us through. Our church organizations, you know, with titles on the sign out front and buildings, that's not going to be the kind of faith that gets us through. It's trusting God. That's going to get us through. So there we have the second one. It's the second call out. Draw near to God and confess. Say it. Hang on to that bold statement. God's got us. We're going to see. He's going to do it. And verse 24, the third one, the third call out, let us consider how to spur one another on, provoke one another. The ESV here says how to stir up one another to love and good works, like stir the pot, right? Why do some people always have to stir the pot? Every time we say that, it sounds like someone's just causing a problem, nosing into something that's none of their concern, saying a thing they know that's gonna cause a problem. Who are the people that stir the pot for love? They put in the thing that they know is gonna cause love to grow. Who stir the pot and speak love? How about good deeds? Who are the ones that stir others up to good deeds? Who are the ones that motivate others to good deeds? We can be so demotivated by everything that comes against us, by stress, by loss. But what if the things that are coming against us are our greatest motivations? What if those things stir us up to say, no, I deny failure. I deny hopelessness. I will love despite it all. I will live a life of good deeds and I will see how I can stir the pot so that others will be stirred up to good deeds, not stirred up to more violence, more anger, more racism, more fear. The media today is stirring the pot for fear and what do they get? Fear. What would it look like us to stir the pot for love and the things we say and the things we do incite people to love. They incite people to good deeds. This is what the Serve Home Challenge Week is. It's coming up not this week, but next week. You know, it's so close, right around the corner. A week and a couple of days, maybe. What are we stirring each other up to do? How can we stir the pot to say, what good deeds will come out of us provoking each other? I know what gifts you have in our church family. I've seen them at work. They're beautiful. Use them. I know all of you with hands that are great at repairing things, green thumbs that can garden anything. Use them. I dare you. 
<coughs> do it together. And don't just do it on our own, do it with one another. Consider, let us put our minds to the task of figuring out how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting meeting one together. Let me say that again. Verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We don't need to wait for a future day to have opportunities to, to be missionaries in this world. The world needs us now. Are you considering how you can provoke the people around you? Not to frustration, not to political argument, not to anger within households, but to provoke each other to love? And how satisfying will it be when you recognize the way that you can provoke someone and push at it and push at it and push at it and love comes? That person bears fruit because you didn't give up on them. Because the things that they might have provoked you to anger in didn't cause you to provoke them to anger, but you repaid evil with good and you overcame evil with good. What would those households look like? Our Serve Home Challenge Week, what will it look like when instead of us saying, I'm afraid for my health, we say, despite the fact that I'm taking all these health precautions, I was able to find a way to do love and good deeds in a visible, practical way so people can know that God still loves them and God hasn't given up on them. Stirring the pot for love. Stirring the pot for good deeds. This is the challenge I believe God has for us this week. Do not be overcome by evil, as Romans 12 says, but overcome evil with good. I dare you to find the strong spots in the people around you and to push at them and to not give up. And when people find our weak spots, I dare you to draw near to God with a clean conscience, knowing that He has purified us and to hold fast to our confession of our faith because He's faithful even when we're not. And to consider, to put our minds to the task of identifying those sources of strength and godliness and Christ-like reflection in the people around us. And not relenting, not giving up on them, but provoking one another to love and good deeds. I'm excited to see what creative ways that God does that in my life, in your life, this week and the following week in our Serve Home Challenge. If you don't know what the Serve Home Challenge Week is, go online to our website, newhopechristianchapel.org, check it out, give us a call, send an email. But just find ways, whether it's with us or on our own, whether anybody knows about it, whether you do your good deeds in secret and no one ever finds out except for your Father who knows and rewards what is done in secret. Live lives that stir the pot for love and good deeds this week and in the weeks ahead. May God bless you.